You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Morning Update Show. Happy Thursday to all of you, or Friday Eve, or as Omari is going to make sure we know, his Friday. I uh, just want to welcome you guys to the Morning Update Show. Uh, you know, this is something I, I have to touch on right now at the top of the show. I want to thank y'all out there. You know, as we put the call out earlier this week about helping our seniors and our elders and community at the grocery store, I've been hearing people talk about this and how they are excited to step up and help out our seniors. And I also want to send a huge shout out to uh, Linda Battles. Linda Battles uh, has been somebody in community that is always looking out for the seniors and the elders. And I really appreciate you know, Miss Linda, Auntie Linda, as I call her, for being so dedicated and committed to ensuring that our seniors and our elders stay plugged in, particularly when it comes to, um, you know, us creating an opportunity for, you know, younger folks and elders to connect. And this is one of those things that I think is a beautiful uh, community-led and driven initiative to just say, hey, how do we step up? How do we, you know, uh, step out for our seniors and our elders? And I got to say that as a young person, I've always been so enamored by elders, right? Like I've just always thought, man, let me sit up underneath them, learn the stories, sit at their feet, the history they have is so rich and so beneficial to my life. And so I want to send a huge shout out to my grandmother, Miss Ruth Holiday, out there who uh, tells me all of the beautiful stories um, that made this wall even more, uh, I think, uh, me appreciated more because she was already telling me about the stories of all of these folks on the wall. Really, she was telling me about her experiences um, on Madison, uh, doing a lot of the, going to a lot of these um, places and spaces. So shout out to all of you guys who are connected to your seniors and your elders. Thank you for looking out for them at the grocery store, you know, uh, and in our own community tribute to all of those families who suffered this tragedy in Buffalo. Of course, I got to do this with my co-host with the most. Just wanted to start there. Big O, what's up, Big O? Happy Thursday, my Trey friend. Holiday. You already know. <laughs> it's Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's your, what? It's, it's always good for me. First of all, it's Throwback <laughs> Thursday. So we get to tell some more stories here about our iconic interview wall. But it's the last day of the week for me. You can have the rest of this week, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly, no problem. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, man. Good, to, good to see you, uh, man. Real chill show here today. And actually, we're gonna we want to actually though talk about some some latest developments over coming out of Buffalo. And it, it's interesting because the more reporting that there is uh, about Buffalo, the more of these disparities come to the surface. Remember the other day I, I was talking about even the history of transportation in America, mm -hmm. how highways were intentionally put, you know, to cordon off black neighborhoods and everything else. That's what happened there 
in East Buffalo. And then you had the Buffalo Bills used to have a facility over there in East Buffalo. They moved it to the suburbs. And then you have businesses. So it's real interesting. It's a clip I found uh, from CBS Morning. She's actually been covering everything in Buffalo in a, in, a, in a really good way. Throwback Thursday, of course, and we're going to play that here in a second. And then it's Thursday, so it's Traveling While Black in Seattle, and the loves went up to Bellingham. We talking about Bellingham, so I got to give a big shout-out. Gary Washington up in Bellingham, Brady McAtee. We got Connor. Man, we got, we got a whole, like, uh, <laughs> editing hub. But, you know, they they do Bleedingham up there. Like It's a big film festival, yeah. and it's a lot of editors and filmmakers up in Bellingham. So uh, that's where the Marlies went. So we'll be playing that today, too. Oh, excited to see it. Man, they always do a great job of, you know, summarizing their whole experience. I'm looking forward to it. In a black lens. Yes. <laughs> and then also, you know, uh, well, T-Dub checked in. You, T-Dub, and, and basically you guys saw afterwards over there at the Fifth Avenue Theater. And y'all went to Jerk Shack and later on and didn't even invite me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was a great time. I'll tell you, uh, you know, I'm excited because this is an amazing show and I know it's ending on Saturday. So I'm glad that we can do a push to get you guys to go out there and check it out. Fifth Avenue Theater um, killed it. And I'm telling you, the set design was impeccable, man. All right. Good stuff. Here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. And you want to remind you that right now, we look kind of cool with these glasses on. Shout out to my brother, Tune. Okay. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Morning Update Show. Remind you that right now is the perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel to appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the Emerald City. Want to give a big shout out to our partners over at KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and, of course, the South Seattle Emerald. You can listen to the Morning Update show anywhere. Yes, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, over 200 different platforms. All you have to do is search Converge Media Network. Trey Holiday, man. All right. So resource here, hereforuswa.org. And we talk about it's um, curated content specifically for our community, for those that are vaccine hesitant. And um, those who need more resources. And yeah, you know, I mean, what I was having a discussion earlier, kind of on email with, with Public Health Seattle, King County. And black people got a lot of distrust of, of this of this system. And like, we're not here to tell people, like, go get this vaccine. But we are here to kind of like see how this transfer of information and everything, you know, that that's occurring. There is a there's a lot of of distrust and then we're bombarded by misinformation and some of everything else. Yeah, it is a mixed bag for real indeed. And this is why this resource is, I think is so important and why we talk about it every single day. It's because, you know, a lot of people out there are dealing with misinformation, but also we understand. I mean, historically speaking, this country has not been transparent about processes and certain things around health and wellness. We know this. Um, we talk about this a lot in black community that, you know, right now there's a large sector of our economy that is based on you being sick, not well. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have a wide variety of perspectives on this. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And I was talking to Christina Braddock over there at Public Health, Seattle King County. And what she said is on this this research they've been doing uh, around black people 
in, in the community here across King County, they said that um, some of the barriers they have noted in the black community when they talk about uh, the, the vaccine is since people who are vaccinated and boosted are still catching COVID, a lot of black people don't feel the need to go and get vaccinated. It said unvaccinated people are seven times more likely to be hospitalized, 11 times more likely to die than people who are boosted. Fear of cost, especially if they do not have health insurance. It's a lot of people who think that, that there's a cost associated to the vaccine. The vaccine is free, or the direct cost is free, but also then because it's free, <laughs> People are like, oh, so they try to give me something for free, huh? Not knowing where to get boosters and how to ask or being sure about its availability. Not knowing they're eligible for a booster. Lack of trust in the healthcare system and people who are willing to take a risk once and so primary vaccine, but won't do it again. People are skeptical because boosters were not mentioned at the beginning when COVID vaccines were rolled out and we said that, you know, the communication and there's also a misunderstanding around what the booster is with many people believing it's a new shot and having similar questions that they have with the initial vaccine, including how fast the vaccine was developed, side effects and ingredients. But to be honest with you, like that's all kind of like valid questions and concerns. Yeah, this is exactly why we don't want to ever uh, hear on the Morning Update show or on Converge ever convey that we are, you know, shaming people because they have these type of concerns. No, we get it. We totally get it. And, you know, I'll be honest, there's many in my family who are like, I'm good. No, nah, never, never, never. So I, I deal with this, you know, discussion all the time. Oh, and ultimately, I think, it, you know, their concerns are valid. And again, the, you know, we haven't really dealt with the most transparent government here. So there's a lot of concern. Yeah, I, I think one of the things for sure is the, the goalpost keeps moving. And when the goalpost keeps moving, then, you know, people kind of think of things differently. And now it's like, oh, you could fly. You don't you don't need a mask. Most venues, some stuff, you, you still need a vaccination card. Especially I know you go to a lots of arts and culture of type <laughs> events. A lot of places you don't need a vaccination card no more. You can yeah. fly without a mask. You can do this and you can do that. And so, you know, it's just an information thing. And we where the the best thing is, is public health, Seattle, King County, they recognize that like, man, these are real issues and barriers around that. And I think the whole idea is is to be able to at least get the best information that's out there and community members decide to get the vaccine and they they can and they will and have access to it, but at least they'll have the best information to make decisions. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that you say it like that because that's what people are needing right now. And I think ultimately too, the goal here is for people to be as informed as you possibly can. The decision is always going to be yours. It's an individual choice. They did not mandate us, you know, right? We saw that kind of where a lot of people were like, like, oh, you think you're going to get me because you're going to tell me I can't go out. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, you tell some, some black folks what they can't do. They're going to show you. I know it's, <laughs> it's a lot of people who totally against the vaccine until it's time to go to Tulum. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, it's on the real. I know one or two people who was against the vaccine until it was time to go to Belize. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like, oh, word. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I, I, man, I'm totally against this, but I'm going to Belize. <laughs> they got vaccinated. So anyways, you know, I'm looking forward to, to a more robust conversation with Public Health Seattle, King County, 
Um, and that's one thing about these guys, man, is they always bring that big data stick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They spend a lot of time and energy and research. And we, we mentioned it before, and the intentionality, and especially in our community, other communities of color, poor people, you know what I'm saying? They really put the research and the data there. So, yeah. um, man. Thursday, always excited right here. You know, that my favorite part of Thursday, outside of it's my last day of the week, is Throwback Thursday. And, man, we have a very special uh, um, installment right here. Stephanie Johnson Tolliver talking about black women social clubs here and their history here in the state of Washington. Hello, history lovers and all you curious folks out there who are interested in this fantastic mural wall behind me at Converge Media Studio. If it's Thursday, it's Throwback Thursday. And my name is Stephanie Johnson Tolliver. I am president at the Black Heritage Society of Washington State. There's a photo on the wall. It's a group photo of four people that reminds me of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. The members of the National Association of Colored Women Clubs came to town for the 24th Biennial Convention held in Seattle, July 31st through August 7th, 1948. The red carpet was rolled out as they arrived at King Street Station. They were treated to a series of um, events, um, special tours around town, and they even did a ferry ride. The delegates represented nearly 5,000 clubs from 43 states, and they arrived and with their motto in hand, lifting as we climb to promote self-help among women. The opening meeting was held at People's Institutional Baptist Church, 24th and 1st Street, just up the street from Garfield High School. Additional meetings and events were held at the Plymouth Congregational Church Garfield High School, and the Central YMCA. The National Association of Colored Women's Clubs and their history is quite well known, but let me tell you just a little bit about it. They were founded in 1896 and had their first convention in Washington, D.C. Women attended from a number of states with their common purpose and their motto in their head. Registered groups included the Federation of Afro-American Women, the Women's Loyal Union, and the National League of Colored Women. They eventually merged to become the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. Washington State organized in 1917 in Spokane, Washington, as the Washington State Federation of Colored Women. The Women's Clubs Movement in Washington State began in 1908 with the founding of the Clover Leaf Art Club in Tacoma by Nettie Asbury. Tacoma has a very active club today, the Tacoma Association of Colored Women's Clubs. It is currently led by President Cynthia Tucker, who also leads at the state level. The club was recently successful with their nomination to designate the Nettie Asbury House to the City of Tacoma Historic Register. Kudos, Tacoma. In Seattle, we see you, Sarah Dean, 
as you lead since last year as regional coordinator at the Alliance of National Council of Negro Women. 125 years later, the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs still exist, and they live by their motto, lifting as we climb. If these walls could talk, you heard it here. Oh my goodness, I absolutely adore this installation right here of this amazing series we have uh, for Throwback Thursdays. I gotta say that, uh, that, that this story really resonates with me. As a young black girl, I got to participate in different black women's groups, the Lynx Project, National Association of Negro Women. The fact that I get to hear this history and know that it's also represented here on this wall that I get to sit in front of every day is amazing. I just can't thank SJT enough. Stephanie Johnson Tolliver, you keep on, you, you know, surprising me and inspiring me with this amazing history to know that that organization started so long ago and has continued on in the leadership and under the guise of amazing black women. Omari, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm feeling it all the way. Uh, see, that's what's up. And, you know, I mean, when, when you talk about one, the actual content of of um, this segment right here and this history, one of the things I did not know. And that's the beauty of this wall here is there's so many stories to be able to tell that, you know, not even aware of. And that's dope. Like you really got like a personal connection, yeah. right? Yeah. Cause you hadn't seen this before we aired yeah, it. Yeah. It, it, that's why I'm saying it warms my heart when, when you, you know, you led with, you know, Hey, this is about Negro women, social groups and black women, social groups. And I just went, Oh man, you know, uh, let me just perk up my ears here. Make sure I'm hearing all these details that, you know, SJT is going to be dropping in this installment. Because honestly, uh, I know that as a young person, there were people that looked out for me. There was these mentors that really showed me certain things. And I had amazing examples in my mom and grandma. But I just love the fact that there was always this, uh, you know, field and community that would always embrace me. So I just I, I really appreciate hearing that history. Yeah, no, no, it's dope. And, you know, best thing is, is what a special relationship that we have with the Black Heritage Society of Washington State you know, and Converge Media and people, people should realize back, back before we even turned on cameras and we was just writing and it's not just writing, by the way, when we were, when we were writing and, you know, we'd have, we'd have our throwback Thursday there. This is always telling our history and our story has always been something that's been so important to us here at Converge and to have such an advocate and expert in Stephanie Johnson Tolliver. You know, this is real unique here. There's not a lot of places in America where, our historians are directly tied in to the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like these day out there, it's a two separate kind of silos and it's, it's always some extra intentional effort to bring basically the streets to our history, our history to the street. This is like part and parcel of who we are. Yeah, this is exactly why I appreciate these segments so much because they really are a reflection of some of the earlier works uh, of us here at Converge Media, but there's always been um, something so inspiring about our history and, you know, particularly when we deal with things like what we're going to be talking about later on the show with Buffalo, you know, we have to have these moments of celebration in terms of the 
culture, how it's been driving forward in spite of all of the oppressive, systemic, you know, racism, anti-blackness, black hate, all of those things. The fact that we have so much greatness always is such a thorough line for me in my life. And I always want to make sure my, my sons understand that because no matter what may be going on around them, there's this rich history that we come from that allows us to walk around with our shoulders, you know, held up, our head held high. And it's something that I think we really need to keep alive and well um, throughout all of the oppression that we see out there in the world. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That was a nice comment up there from Stephanie Justice Tolliver. You see, uh, Catherine's like, yo, I, I hope these clips is being saved. Yo, <laughs> I know they, 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 they definitely are. Um, and, you know, widely available. We want to make them even wider available. And, you know, Converge is getting ready to go back out on the road. And, and this time, you know, we're going to do it in partnership with the Black Heritage Society Washington. We went to Spokane. Um, it's coming up on a year. Has it been? It was, yeah, it's coming up on a year. Almost an And we, we did a lot of contemporary coverage, but we, we also, um, who, who did we cover out there? And it was a story most people didn't know. Frances Scott, mm-hmm. one of the, the first black teachers there in, in Spokane. She was the, the first black woman lawyer in Spokane in the city of Spokane, just named a school after her. They're the first uh, school in Spokane named after a black woman. We're going to go back to Spokane and we're going to go with some guidance from Stephanie Johnson Tolliver and BHS and capture so many great stories from Eastern Washington as yeah, well. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I think we can be proud of here in Washington State is there is a lot of black history. You know, um, uh, the, the idea is that there were a lot of black pioneers throughout this state, um, you know, starting from the inception of the state and understanding, you know, that the history is so important for us to really, you know, they talk about, hey, there are no black folks up here. There are in the history is rich and it's deep it's up to us to tell our story yeah ain't nobody else gonna do it for us all right well we're gonna take a break when we come back like i said we wanted to discuss more about buffalo new york and also a question too is like when do black lives matter and when don't they you're watching the morning update show The breathtaking new musical, Afterwards, is the story of the art we make from the love that shapes us. When three women discover unexpected truths, a dazzling mosaic of intersecting lives reveals itself. Featuring a revelatory and soulful new score. Don't miss the world premiere of this captivating new musical, Afterwards, at the Fifth Avenue Theater, April 29th to May 21st. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Basa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. 
Welcome back to the Morning Update show. All right, so we're talking here about, about Buffalo. There's a great uh, clip here. Jerika Duncan from CBS Morning sitting out there in Buffalo and kind of peeling it back a little bit more. Like I said, the more reporting that's out there by intentional reporters, then we find that what we find in a lot of cities in America and the, and the disparities, um, systemic racism, redlining, uh, economic disparities, some everything else, and how it impacts in communities. Uh, here it is right here, CBS This Morning. We're going to go back to Buffalo again this morning, where the suspect in the killing of 10 people at a grocery store is back in court this morning. Members of the NFL's Buffalo Bills visited the scene of the shooting yesterday. The players and the coaches, they prayed, they served lunches, and they handed out groceries to people in the neighborhood who really need this. Jerika Duncan is in Buffalo with more on the story. Jerika, I bet many people were glad to see them yesterday. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Gail. They absolutely were. It was exciting to see those professional athletes uh, in East Buffalo. These are people who admire them, of course. But more importantly, it was about acknowledging the depravity of what happened and paying their respects. This is joy, this is love, and this is unity. The Buffalo Bills touched down in East Buffalo Wednesday to the surprise of the community. Their pain put on pause, even if only for a moment. To be out here and to see people smiling and laughing again, and um, that, that warms my heart. In a show of solidarity, the team handed out groceries and served meals to residents now left without a grocery store after Saturday's deadly shooting at Top Supermarket. Tops is giving free bus rides to its store a little over three miles away, a temporary fix for a long-rooted economic divide. I grew up here. There used to be a house here, a furniture store. There was a barber shop, a fish market. But that divide wasn't always the case, says 67-year-old Ladina Clyburn. What changed? What changed? It's hard for me to answer that question. Some of the business uh, didn't come back after there was some riots and protests. Some of them didn't come back. The tearing up of the 33. Route 33 split the city into east and west and resulted in even more businesses losing money. Not to mention the bills moved away from this part of town to the suburbs. The problems on the east side had been mounting for decades. The majority of people who live here are black. It's why the alleged gunman targeted this community, but it's also why Jeremy Hoyle brought his wife and three-year-old daughter to the memorial. Why did you come down here? My family and I, we want to be allies. I think it's important for to show our daughter that, and that's why we're here. I'm upset for our community and I'm upset for our city. And officials are also offering free mental health counseling as well as compensation for funeral costs. And just to set the scene that you're seeing behind me in front of court, we've seen a number of officials, sheriff's deputies, bomb squad um, and tactical units getting ready for the court appearance of that accused gunman. Man, man, more and more of this keeps coming out. And I think that this is not really uh, this is one of those things that is just another addition to a large amount of information and history around all of the tactics used to disrupt 
thriving black communities. Uh, we, you, you mentioned it the other day, oh, in terms of transportation, there is so much that we see here uh, when it comes to building the freeway system um, it, throughout this country and what that looked like to particular communities and specifically communities of, of color, communities where black folks are living, communities Latinx folks are living, uh, Asian brothers and sisters. I mean, we uh, hear this time and time again. So the message isn't new, but it's just one of those things where it's like, how much information and knowledge do we have to have before there's something that disrupts that, before there's something that understands, man, there's been some real intentional harm here. What are we doing to repair that harm? That's where I always go when I hear stories like this, because it's really in addition to such a larger story. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a larger story on a lot of different levels. And we see, you know, it's, it's interesting because all across America, Black people have either been redlined in or blackballed out. And, you know, we talk about here in Seattle, you know, I mean, for years we were redlined in and then we got blackballed out of our neighborhood. And then you got other neighborhoods that people was redlined in and, you know, it's an economic decay, right? Because it's an undesirable area of town and people have been moved there. Like for, for us, you know, our neighborhood became desirable. You're a few minutes from Lake Washington, a few minutes from downtown, a few minutes from the UW, a few minutes from Pill Hill, world-class healthcare. You know what I'm saying? Everything's there became desirable. We got blackballed out of our neighborhood. And, you know, but a lot of the same things when you talk about uh, Seattle, you talk about when, when we talk about like House Bill 1918, where they mm -hmm. clearly said like, man, look at all these policies that were put in place by government in in you know, lack of access to resources, intentionality and everything else. And it plays out in black communities all over America. And I'm just glad that people are taking a deeper look at that as well. And that these, well, I tell you, when you peel something back, man, you find these disparities in black communities are so big and they're so wide. It's something else though that I wanted to, to bring up as well in why I said when, Black Lives Matter some of the time, right, is that I'm just, I think it's fair to say most people are, are outraged. Most people are like, man, this is ill. Most people, prayers and, and, and uh, hearts out and, and prayers and everything else. But where's the outrage, though? And I only bring that up because it seems like America gets outraged if the police kill somebody right when you get in the streets we make noise we say that once change everything else this was a plan plotted mat like when when you when you talk about like first degree and intentionality and everything else this isn't this wasn't somebody a, a cop who started their shift maybe not thinking at the beginning of their shift they're going to kill somebody. That's what happens, and it's tragic. This is somebody who plotted for months to kill black folks. And I'm just wondering where it across our community and across all these other communities across America, you know, I mean, is it that people show their outrage in a different way when it's not the police that's killed us? Is it, or is it just doesn't matter as much? I'm, I don't know the answer. That's why I 
pose a question and put even a question mark there. Yeah, no, it really is a good question. And I think it's something that is um, on point because at the end of the day, we see this time and time again. Right. We we see this time and time again, particularly in the unique characteristics of this situation here where you have uh, white supremacist, somebody who is a racist of white descent. Right. A Caucasian person who then targets black community and black community members. This is something where we don't see a lot of people raising their voices, raising their fists at, you know, at, at the injustice of it all. We we uh, I'll say this. It comes down to holding people accountable. Um, we see that a lot of these things are systemic. But when you have somebody who's emboldened enough to plan something like this out, to spend however many hours and however many days that he spent to get all of these details just right to understand how to target this particular grocery store at a certain time of day where there was going to be a lot of people there shopping. You know, he was trying to make a big impact and it took time to plan that out. So my question is, is how do people, you know, we have people there saying, you know, they want to be an allyship. They want to support this. But it's so true that the numbers get real fickle when it's these kind of characteristics that uh, unfortunately involve this level of tragedy. Uh, you know, uh, it's not always on just black community, but we talk about how nobody's going to come and save us. And it's I mean, real. Look, look at the this this slap. Will Smith and Chris Rock had had more. You remember? uh, uh um. Uh, white Hollywood trauma, you know, oh, everybody in, in Hollywood. Oh, my God, I'm so traumatized. Will Smith, he slapped Chris Rock and I dealt with the trauma of this. And that. man, where are these where are these people at? You know, I was that traumatized. Remember, at the time I was like, man, if that's traumatizing people, what's watching the war in Ukraine doing yeah. to them? They were so traumatized. I can't believe Will Smith. He did that and he could have hurt other people. Where are you at now? Where's that same energy? You know what I'm saying? Where Where is that same energy, America? Where is that same energy? And you know this, what they found out, this boy, too, he, he had a whole live chat going as well. And they found it like 4chan or something. And he's telling people like, yeah, this is what's getting ready to happen and yada, yada, yada. I mean, this was was calculated at such a high level. And it's almost like, yeah, people like, oh, it's tragedy. It's another whatever this and, that. and they move on. President Biden's like, oh, we stand with you, blah, blah, blah. And now everybody's just kind of sitting and waiting for the next thing to happen. And it's just crazy how black black lives matter when they matter to some people. We've been saying all the time you're from the Central District of Seattle, all these black lives matter. Whether whether they're killed by the police, whether they're killed by community, all of these black lives matter. And if black lives really matter the way that America says they came out and said that black lives matter, then, man, where are you at? This is a really great I'm glad that we are uh, even breaching this topic because far too often 
I, I wonder, what does it take? What kind of spark does it take? I mean, we saw what happened with George Floyd. And we use that as an example now because it just something around the time, people being cooped up, the, the, the you know, all the pressures of COVID, I guess. Somehow, at, at some, in some level, it was the globe seeing this man being murdered really with the knee on the neck for so long and it sparked something but we have dealt with these kinds of tragedies in black community for decades for generations so i know a lot of black folks were like well what made it so di- what made george floyd so different because we deal um, with this locally nationally globally all the time and we don't see that spark i'm always wondering what is it that makes people go i can't deal with it anymore I am now suffocating from this information I'm giving. This right here is one of those top-notch things that people should be already in the streets vying for solidarity and all of that. We we just are not seeing it. Yeah, I mean, and you think about it, like from from day one, you know, this was an execution just like, you know, people forget folks used to go to lynchings. That was, that was, people used to bring their kids. They bring their kids to go to a lynching, see him string up black person from a tree and hang from the neck until dead. That was a spectacle, an accepted spectacle here in America. So many photos, you know what I'm saying? We hear about these late night and the Klan and this and that. And there used to be big public lynchings. And like I said, you look at the pictures, people bring their kid, kid pointing up at the body and all this kind of stuff and everything else. So this, the, the, that history here for us in America is also part and parcel of our history. And when you talk about George Floyd, you'll remember that, that, that week, so many things all came, came really started coming out that week. We had been on Ahmaud Arbery before then, but Ahmaud Arbery's murder started hitting the news then, then a Breonna Taylor, and then the bird watching while black in Central Park, and then George Floyd, all within a few days right there. And it was like, yo, this is it. You know what I'm saying? Um, this, when we talk about the, 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 the intentional just murder of black folks, it is. It's part and parcel. That's why there's a museum about lynching. You go down there in Montgomery, Alabama, and you know all these other places. You see, it's like it's real. And you know, I don't know the answer, but I just think that it's it's interesting how Black lives only matter when people want them to matter. Yeah, this is a really. I mean, it's it's touching my soul. This topic, and and I will say, uh, many of you out there may have seen a clip. Victor Blackwell, reporter from CNN, was out there in Buffalo, New York. And, you know, uh, he just he kind of broke down. You know, those of you who have been following the Morning Update show, you have seen Omari and I do the same thing because there is a different kind of toll that it takes on black reporters that have to report on the this level of tragedy. And one of the things that he said that was just just so real and true was, look, he's done 15 of those kinds of reportings, 15 where there's been black community members that have been targeted by a white person who is a racist. He is saying, look, 
how much more can he even bear as a reporter? And I just want to take the time to really give a, a, a spotlight and give some positive energy and healing love to all of the black reporters across this country who really step out to ensure that these stories are told in a genuine Oh, uh, you know, organic way. Um, many of us growing up in our own black communities, whether you're reporting in the same town that you grew up in or not, these stories affect you differently. And I just, you know, looking at that clip, I was just reminded of how it affects you and I here as we have to, you know, uh, report on these things. Oh, yeah. And, and like we said, we get it coming and going. We get it when community members are killed by community members when by the police by supremacists, you know what I'm saying? Because it's the impact and the reverberation within our community. And so, um, but, you know, we'll, as usual, stay on top of this. And I mean, really commending uh, so many black media professionals who keep digging deeper around this story in its totality. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to go straight into traveling while black in Seattle. The, uh, Loves Marley and Anthony. They headed up I-5 North to Bellingham. So we'll check that out. You're watching the Morning Update show. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. Hey, what's up? I'm Anthony. This is my wife, Marley, and welcome to another episode of Traveling Wild Black in Seattle. Yep. Welcome back, everyone. And as a brief reminder, our show is based on our experiences in and around Seattle. And we base those experiences off of how good of a drive it was, how much fun we had, and most importantly, how comfortable do we feel as Black people visiting for the first time? So on this episode, I actually wanted to surprise Anthony for his birthday. Yep. I had no idea where we were going. So since we're new to this area, I really didn't have any idea where we were going either. So I needed help and I found this really cool website. It's Just Your Suitcase Personalized Travel Experiences. And I reached out to them to help me plan this surprise birthday trip for Anthony. And the day was, well, take a look at the episode and see how it turned out. And as always, let us know what you think. So, like I said before, I wanted to plan the episode and surprise Anthony for his birthday. And like I said before, I had no idea where we were going. And again, I didn't really either. That was until I came across Just Your Suitcase Personalized Travel Experiences. It's a company that creates custom-built, perfect itineraries based on your interests. And budget. Yes, and budget. So I reached out and very quickly got a response from their founder, Scott Swantick. After getting Anthony's interest in what we might be looking for, Scott was able to create us an option packed itinerary that made for an awesome, fun-filled day with the end destination of Bellingham, Washington. Bellingham, Washington is a coastal city that isn't that far from the Canadian border and is actually a port for ferries going to Alaska. And oh yeah, it's also home to the Western Washington University Vikings. Drive grade. So Mars let me know the morning of that Bellingham was where we would be heading. The drive to Bellingham was about an hour and 23 minutes from downtown Seattle. 
The drive up on this particular day was more traffic-y than usual. The extra traffic sort of made the hour and 23 minute drive seem a little long. And in some ways, frustrating. As for views, the beginning of the ride didn't offer anything to write home about, but most deaf made up for it when we got closer to our destination. Yes, the views closer to Bellingham were a lot better, and I'd say good enough to save the drive grade. Yep, enough to give a four out of five for drive grade. Level of fun. Again, Scott's itinerary was awesome. For the first stop, he planned us a nice morning hike um, on the trail at Oyster Dome, located on the Blanchard Mountain. As you already know, your boy loves being out in nature. So when Mars told me that that's where we would be stopping first, I was hyped. In order to access the trail, we parked the car at the Sandwich Overlook parking area on Blanchard Mountain. As stated on the Washington Trails Association website, getting to Samish Overlook is a bit of a rough road, but the views from the beginning and the end of the hike were well worth it. Yes, we definitely enjoyed the views, pulling up to the parking lot at the beginning, walking and walking on the way up. Yes, it was a long hike for your girl, but the view at the top was way worth it. We think you should have to put in the same work we had to, to earn the views. So, we are going to show it on this episode. Ha! Next on the itinerary, Scott recommended the Horseshoe Cafe for lunch, so he stopped in and grabbed something to eat. Yeah, the food there was not only on time after the long hike, but it was also really good. My man Scott was killing it so far with the itinerary. After lunch, it was time to check into the place we'd be staying overnight, the historic Hotel Leo located in downtown Bellingham. They were awesome, and they also helped out in the surprise for Anthony by having cupcakes and a birthday card and balloons waiting in the room. The hotel was pretty dope. It offered some cool things to do without even leaving the property. We played some shuffleboard, shot some pool. Yep, I beat Ant and pool. <laughs> anyway, it was a dope place. I actually enjoyed the entire day, and I definitely enjoyed the surprise. I was thankful not only for seeing another year, but also having a wife who cares so much for me. So, I had to let her win pool, you know. Yeah, right. But I will agree that our day was really fun. And again, we owe it to Just Your Suitcase, personalized travel experiences, and the owner, Scott. So, for level of fun, we give it a 5 out of 5. Comfortability for Black people. So, we actually saw quite a few Black people on the trail and in the city. And in both places, we felt really comfortable as Black people. Yes, especially walking through the city, which gave us a very diverse and welcoming vibe, which could not only be felt, but also seen. The people we encountered were friendly, from walking the trail all the way up to the people working at the Hotel Leo. The city seemed like it would be a great place for anybody to come check out and also be welcomed. Maybe it's because it's a college town, or maybe that's just how the people are. Either way, based on our experience, we give a 5 out of 5 for comfortability for Black people. So we do want to recommend that you guys check out Just Your Suitcase Personalized Travel Experiences. It made the trip so easy and we'll definitely be using them again to plan our next actual vacation. Yeah, my man Scott knocked it out the park. So most def, check out Just Your Suitcase Personalized Travel Experiences. You can find a link to their website within the description. We hope you found this video to be helpful and entertaining. Be sure to check out all of our other previous episodes. Yes, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter. And again, reach out to us if there's any place that you would like us to go check out. Until next time, beautiful people. Stay up, stay true, and do you.
Oh, yes. Another great episode from our love couple over there in Bellingham. Okay, now you guys keep giving me things and building up on my list. I'm telling you, there's too many things I'm going to have to check out. I appreciate you guys for all of your summaries and for exploring our state the way that you do. For those of us who are born and raised in Washington, you guys are doing things that we have never done. So shout out to you guys for really exploring our whole state. It is a beautiful state, and I now am going to have some things to touch on when I hit up Bellingham. You guys, we'll be right back after this short break. Me and O will close it out. Stay tuned. You're watching the Morning Update Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Morning Update Show. Great segment there with Traveling Mom Black, oh. Yo, I love the loves. <laughs> and, I, and I love the love from the loves. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Bellingham again. Once again, Bellingham, stand up. You know, <laughs> big shout out, Gary Washington. Brady McAtee, my man Connor, you know what I'm saying? Walker D. Lit, man, we got, we got a squad up there. You know, I can converge. We got a lot of supporters up there in Bellingham, and I think we're going to have to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the man. love's been up there. <laughs> me and you, we might have to hop in. You know, maybe we'll take the train up there. Man. Oh, that would be nice. We'll Make a little trip. I'm with it. Okay, good stuff. All right, so a few things here uh, as we near the end of the show. You guys, you... Takia and Besa, you went and saw um, afterwards. You went to Jerk Shack, didn't invite me. Uh, we are able to catch up with Takia, and she shared a little bit about that experience. What up, y'all? T-Dub here, letting you know, man, I got to see an amazing show recently called Afterwards at the Fifth Avenue Theater. Me, my sis Besa, my sis Triana, the queens of Converters, we rolled through and we got to witness afterwards. And man, I got to tell you, this show is absolutely incredible. From the set to the sights to the sounds, the minute you sit down, you are just transported into the world of the show. And the storyline was absolutely incredible. It follows two groups of people and kind of speaks to how they ended up connected in a very, very intense way. Like, I feel like I'm pretty good at, um, you know, picking up on spoilers and stuff, but you will never be able to guess the plot twist that happens in this show. Like, it's next level. Um, again, like the set was just absolutely incredible, man. Like, shouts out to the team that was on set design for this one because from the movement to the lights to, you know, the interactions, the, the projections, everything was just super, super incredible. And then afterwards, we went down to Jerk Shack and talked about it. And, you know, we got some great food, got some great drinks and really got to share, you know, an experience that we had just had at the Fifth Avenue Theater. Um, again, all around amazing show. The set, the cast, man, everybody was just feeding off of each other so beautifully. Like the singing, oh my God, these folks got some vocals on them, man. Like top-notch theater. Top-notch theater indeed. I'm telling you all, you will not be disappointed if you go check out this show afterwards at Fifth, a Fifth Avenue Theater. Amazing. And I just I just uh, echo T-Dub sentiments all the way. I'm sorry we didn't invite you to Jerk Shack, but we'll have to make it up to you because, you know, the queens were in the building. We were feeling the vibes, man. Don't, don't worry. I was there in spirit and in pocket because I got the bill. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was included. <laughs> I, I just I just wasn't there. Yeah, big shot big shot at Fifth Avenue Theater, man. Yeah. You know, they keep 
I still need to get there. I'm, yeah. I'm going to get there, though. You know, yeah. I'm working on it. Hey, man, they got the whiz coming. So I'm telling you, yeah. you were de definitely oh, going to get they got, they got prom coming to Yeah, me. prom. Now, now, I've been talking to them, and I said, me and Trey Holiday, I said, if we do interview over there, we're going to dress up like it's prom. You going to prom with me? Yeah, come on. Let's do it. You know, I'm always good and down for a good old dress up. Oh, I'm ready. Mm. Okay. We're going to be talking about prom. <laughs> All right, so one or two other things here, and then we'll uh, Friday. I'll, let me hand this yeah, over here to you. you. Yeah, lots of stuff there. One thing I wanted to bring up, though, in um, event that's happening here, stand in solidarity. This is um, Saturday. This is Saturday, uh, two o'clock, I believe, over there at Martin Luther King Park, and along the lines of what we were talking about. This is people basically voicing their outrage you know, about what happened in Buffalo and what's happening across the country. So that's there. That's also up on our event calendar because uh, I know and also giving space. Mm -hmm. It's important, especially black folk, that we can come together and we just have some space to be able to express ourselves and everything else. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and what else do I have here? That's all I got. It looks like you got a full day tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm, of course, always looking forward to Feel Good Friday. And, you know, I, I you know, I got to say, T-Dub keeps coming through on these episodes with me, Feel Good Friday. So, I, of course, I'm going to be diving into all things art of the matter and all things art, culture, and news with T-Dub, our art queen here at Converge. We also have Nikita Mathis is going to be in the building. Nikita Mathis, owner of Platinum Plush. I'm so excited that she'll be able to join us. Looking forward to hearing some updates that they have going on over there and then we got two brothers coming through for the bp brand we got first up we got bp parker he's going to be talking about this brand and the work that it's taking to get there we also got eric coming up with us um you know i know him as network a lot of folks out there know him as network these two have been building a brand for many years and i'm excited to kind of talk about how they've been able to do that i think it's always for me important to really spotlight great people doing great things in our community because it's on us to tell these these stories and make sure these narratives shine in the way that they should. So I'm excited. It's going to be a great episode tomorrow. Good stuff. I'll, I'll be tuned in from my bed. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. We're going to get out of here, Trey, all day. Any last words? Oh, for me, always see yourself as a part of the solution. You see what, uh, you know, Marley and Antonio have done, uh, Anthony have done with the loves, with uh, Traveling Wild Black. They do their own way. I mean, ultimately, they were like, look, we're just new to Seattle. We're new to Washington State. Let's figure out what the state has to offer. I want you guys to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. SJT does it with history. You guys, I'm telling you, there's always something that you can do to bring more depth so that we can be uh, all a part of the solution. Be inspired. Do it. All right. Good stuff. Yeah, this is the end of the week for me. Um, man, it's been good. I'm tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, man, I got a real important meeting today at 2 o'clock. If we did, my friend, it, I'd be going back to sleep. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a labor of love here you know, at Converge. And um, just always want to take a moment to acknowledge all of you out there. I mean, you guys, literally, you keep us on air, you support us, you uplift us, and you guys give us the energy to, in turn, uplift community. So thank you. On that note, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until 11 a.m. tomorrow for Feel Good Friday with Trey Holiday, because I'm going to be at home in bed. <laughs> Peace. Peace.
thousand little steps to go What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know I've been running on the edge of a sundown Sleeping in the shadow I've been begging you to see me Then hiding beyond the unreachable Looking now left on a right hand turn Just trying to make a deal A lazy shoes and love is a love that turn That's the kind of food that heals I've been searching for the end of An era waiting to be ready The world is bigger than a moment Be steady, that's how you can feel it's real But I feel naked produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.